pretty much everyone agrees there's something wrong with American public education. But what is it exactly? And is classical education a viable model? We discuss this and more with special guest Burke Obiashi on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for those who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, couch potato intellectual. And with me, as always, is my energetically educated co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and, um, oh man, I'm going to, this one, person with a lot of strong opinions about education. (laughs) Great. Yes, that's it person who's the son of education experts. So they have a lot of opinions about Therefore, it passed down. Yes, get ready for a loaded (laughs) episode. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, and as you may have noticed from the additional voice with us today, we have a very special guest. He is director of admissions at Koi, oh man, I already messed it up. <laughs> <Koyanochia> <laughs> Academy, a Catholic classical school in Plainfield, New Jersey. He holds a bachelor's in politics, philosophy, and economics from the King's College and <laughs> in New York City. And a teacher at the Great Hearts Academies, was a teacher at the Great, teach, uh, uh, Great Hearts Academies in Phoenix, Arizona. And he's an advocate for the classical school reform movement. Most importantly, he is an active member of the Overthinkers online community. He is. <laughs> The brave, the brainy, the breathtaking, Burke <laughs> Oyashi. Burke, welcome to the show. Oh, it's good to be welcome. Thank you, Joseph. It's yeah, it's great to be here. I, I listen to you guys' podcast. I I'm, I comment on the Facebook a lot. I know, and sometimes to to some people's annoyance, I'm sure. Right? I'm just like, <laughs> no. I, I saw a meme once where this wife is like, "Honey, come to bed," and he's like, "I can't. Someone on the internet is wrong." <laughs> uh, like, well, sometimes it's, that's me, but it's it's great to be here. Well, it's fun to have you because it's fun to actually get to meet what well, kind of face to face, face to face people who you interact with online. And it's been really fun to have you a part of the online group, which is a plug to all of our listeners right now to check out the online group. We have great discussions and Burke has been there providing great answers and getting involved in discussions. But it's fun because this episode is actually coming out of a discussion we actually had on the group about education and the school system and uh, learning in general. So it's really fun to see this culminate into an yeah. episode. So we're really excited to have you here and uh, talk about this today. Yeah, absolutely. So if people, you guys enjoy this and you want to get more involved, you can join the Facebook online community. Nathan, what other ways can people get involved in the show? They, they can join the Facebook online community, the Overthinkers. We have over 4,000 people now commenting, posting memes, getting involved in articles and having great discussions. We also uh, have a website we can go to called theoverthinkersjournal.com where you can find out more about your hosts, more about what we do and more about live events we have coming up. We just had a great Oscars party. Mm. Um, and so uh, please head over there and- And if you like the show, please consider giving us a review and sharing with a friend. It really does help so much. Cool. Now, everybody ready to get started? Let's do it. Cool. All right. So very few people deny that there's something wrong with American public education. According to the Washington Post piece, how are American public schools really doing? Public confidence in American school system has been declining since the 1970s, going from 62% of Americans having confidence in the school system to 26% by the mid-2010s. And this decline in confidence is not unwarranted. According to Business Insider, America dropped from 6th to 27th in the world in quality of education outcomes between 1990 and 2018. With what few people can agree on, however, is the source of the problem. 
Some argue that the system is fundamentally sound, but simply requires more funding or funding more evenly distributed between rich and poor districts. Others, as seen in documentaries like Waiting for Superman, believe that the problem is a lack of school choice for parents. Others are critical of the public school system less because of the academic outcomes and more because they believe it is indoctrinating their students into values they disagree with. Hence, a recent, last, recent rash of laws banning certain topics from being taught in public schools. Burke, you are a vocal advocate for classical education as a model to replace public education as it is seen now. What do you think is fundamentally wrong with the public education and why does it need to be replaced by a classical model instead of merely tweaking it to make it work better? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. I guess I would say it, it begins fundamentally with what is the learning goal, right? If you ever talk to a teacher, uh, they always talk about what are our learning goals? What, why are we here? Why do we exist? And the learning goal of public education, I think, honestly, since its inception, and I can talk about that a little bit, but the learning goal of public education has always been to be uh, has always been to create uh, students, um, graduates, who are going to be good workers, mm -hmm. um, who are, I mean, get deeper into that, but who are going to be good workers, good, good producers, and good consumers. Um, and I think that that fundamental goal misses what education should really be about. Mm -hmm. So some background, I mean, the public model as it exists was really incented. It really began in Prussia in the in the late 1800s, yeah. Prussia before it was Germany. Um, and it was really created as this push, uh, really with the end goal of global dominance. Right. The Prussians were gearing up to to unite the German states. They were fighting with France. They were very militaristic. And the idea was we need a population that is trained in uh in war but also trained to be able to take this this neophyte industrial state the industrial revolution and and turn it into like a weapons factory so that that's when kind of the public model that we currently use today really kind of got its start and then the way it was kind of transitioned into america is you have i mean horace mann who is a, a statesman who is really passionate about public education for good reasons um, and he kind of starts the idea of like everyone should be public educated. And then famously, uh, John Dewey, who is yes. the American educational philosopher who, you know, kind of creates this idea of, well, this is how we educate people. And, and it's interesting when you go back and read a lot of Dewey's philosophy and his ideas, he talks about like, you know, education should be experiential. People, children should be doing, they should be reviewing experiences. And a lot of those ideas are good. I think that what Dewey his legacy really accomplished is we created this public school system that took virtue and the training of virtue and the training of character out of the education model and replaced it with these standards, right? It's where we get standardized tests. Uh, this is what you need in order to succeed as a worker, right? As a producer and as a consumer, so the problem fundamentally with the school is that its goals are wrong. It's it's uh, it's its curriculum is geared around producing a certain goal. So even when they succeed, I think that it's very problematic. So we talk about good schools and bad schools, the distribution of money. And, you know, some say, well, that school district has really good schools. And what they mean by that is they do really well on standardized tests. They a lot of them get into college. 
Um, and, uh, you know, beyond that, a lot of times the metrics end, right. They don't, they don't track where they go after that, but hmm. in general, the students tend to have better outcomes in terms of their careers and things like that. But a lot of these kids are still, or a lot of these, these adults now are still, they've never been taught, like, why should I be honest? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Why should I be truthful? Like, why, like, what does it mean to be a good human being? which I think that's what the core of education was in the classical done poorly done well. I mean, it depends on what, what time period and where you're at, but the idea I think of what, what should be the core of education is how do we make good human beings? And what does that mean? What does it mean to be a good human being? Um, how, what does it mean to be happy in life? What does it mean to be fulfilled? I think we have a generation or two or three generations in a row who never, who were never asked that question on uh, in in school, and they never really thought about it. And it seems kind of like this heady kind of well, that's the philosophers who get to think about that stuff. But if you want to be happy, it's what every single human being has to think about. So that's where I think it would start. Is um, the public model has excised that idea mostly from its core curriculum, and where students are getting in the public model, interestingly enough, they're they're usually getting from like coaches. Right. They're getting from sports. That's yeah. where a lot of the character building and like, what does it mean to be a good man or what does it mean to be a good a good person um, comes from? And uh, they're not getting it in in any of their other classes there. And they're mostly learning how to take tests, which right. is problematic in and of itself. But I think that's where it would, I would start as saying there's a problem. Interesting and reminds me of discussion. So I've never heard this actually um, articulated in this way, uh, what education is actually for. You've heard a lot of this, but it reminds me of another discussion when people talk about church and how church has, has divorced morality and relationship. We actually just did an episode on this. So it's just mm, a list yeah. of rules divorced from any reason why you should act out these rules. Um, and so it sounds like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're saying is we have all the education aspects that the memorize this, learn this, but it's divorced from anything meaningful. It's divorced from ethics and morality and fulfillment, a, a why behind your learning uh, beyond anything more than you should just grow up and be a consumer. Yeah, and, and I think, and from that di divorce of that, that key goal is different, right? Since the fundamental goal is different, that blooms into all sorts, a host of problems that goes to like, how do we teach kids to learn? What do we want them to accomplish? Because if, if you start from the goal of, well, I want this student when they graduate to be able to go to college, get a degree and have a career and be a good producer, right? Produce, uh, contribute, contribute to GDP, right? Like that means there's certain things that you need to be good at doing. Um, and there are things that both conservatives and liberals can look at and be like, this is problematic. One is a, a, like just, just obedience and not in the good sense of the word there is a good sense of the word obedience but obedience and the unquestioning obedience you need to be good at following orders like if you're going to be a soldier or a factory worker and this is where the prussian mindset really yeah. continues to seep in you got to be good at following orders good soldiers follow orders and so that's kind of one of the outcomes that the public model is kind of geared towards, and a lot of people have noticed this on both sides of the aisle, geared, geared towards producing. And then also you need to be good at, at memorizing facts and being good at routines. And this is kind of what happens in public school. You get good at all of these things. Um, but if you start from the other side of, well, I want this person to be a fulfilled moral human being. 
Well, they can't do that unless they, they, they have a fundamental philosophic understanding of what does that even mean? So you have to start even from, from kindergarten being like, what is, what is goodness? Why do we do this? Why does this work? Why is the world this way? Right. And, and this, this isn't just, you know, literature and philosophy, even in mathematics, you know, why does the math work this way? Why is the world ordered? So you start teaching these students to think for themselves, to look at the world around them and wonder and to grow. And so I, it's, it's ironic or, or maybe just interesting. I think a lot of the people hear me talk about the classical model and they think, well, you just want to indoctrinate students. Whereas in reality, I, I feel like the classical model more than better than any other model that I've seen asks students to make decisions for who they're going to be and what they're going to believe for themselves. It so, says, think for yourself, be rational, you know, you know, sink your teeth into these ideas that we're teaching you and decide for yourselves whether they make sense. Whereas oftentimes I think in the public model, there is a lot of low key indoctrination going on. It's like, you know, follow the rules, obey, do this and you'll make money. And, and if you, you know, go to college. Yeah. So, so what, one pushback I would say is that I agree. Everyone should, I think, I don't think anybody would disagree that we should be um, asking students, you know, to ask the fundamental questions of life, but is like the school the place to do that, particularly if it's going to be state run, because then you do get a situation where it is state run indoctrination. Yeah. Well, and it's a good question. And the, and the school ends up getting to decide the morality yes. ethics for your kids, because I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up, uh, as many people know, my parents were kind of pioneers in this field yeah. of my dad wrote a, a uh, and my mom wrote a book called Educating the Whole Hearted Child. And, and it's, mm -hmm. it's um, a very influential book in the, in the world of home education. Yes. And right. kind of this idea, even within the, within the Catholic church, that the home is the first learning place. And that's really right. the place that you learn to be moral. You learn to ask these right. questions, you learn ethics. And so my parents ha had essentially this philosophy that the home was a place of education. I think a lot of people see school's a place where you learn, home is a place where you get fed and we just take care of you. Where mm -hmm. my parents thought it was more holistic. No, home is a place where you were educated. And ultimately I was educated at home. And so I wasn't, I never had that disconnect between morality, yeah. ethics and education. So they, they were married. And so I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a very positive association right. with, with this. So, but yeah, the question being, what would you say about should this should the public school system be teaching kids morals and ethics? I mean, so I guess the first thing is 100% agree that the first place where you are learning how to be a good human being is from your parents, right? Mm -hmm. And and your ability to learn from your parents is so much higher than it is to learn from a teacher, um, it, it, primarily because it starts when you're you know a baby, right? And yeah. so 100% that should be the primary and the school should support that. Um, what I would say is, so we've decided we're going to have state run schools. So if we start there, we've decided, and I think pretty much everyone agrees, we, we should have public schools or we should have some sort of education. At that point, I think it's a given that there's going to be morality taught, whether it's intended yeah. or not, mm. right? Morality is going to get taught in the public schools. It's being taught or maybe a lack of morality in most schools is being taught, even from just the, 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 the silence on the subject, uh, right? And so, yes, I think there is definitely, um, uh, uh, we should be careful, right? We, should, we definitely shouldn't turn the school into like, uh, 
you know, um, the I'm thinking animal animal farm, the Napoleon, right? Like training the dogs and turning them into his soldiers. We should be wary of that, but we can do more in the public schools than what we're doing now. And I think that there are certain virtues that we can create, if not a consensus, a large majority of, of like, we should be honest, right? Mm -hmm. We shouldn't lie. I mean, that's all universal morality. yeah, Yeah. These universal morals of like, we should be honest, we should, um, you know, we Not should steal. be kind. We shouldn't be vicious to one another. And these things, you know, the public schools, at least it, it, if you ask them, would agree. Yeah, like we don't want plagiarism. We don't want, you know, uh, you know, people treating each other cruelly. And if we could establish a baseline of like, okay, these are the virtues that we all kind of agree on. Let's teach the young kids it, you, you can't teach virtue, but let's give them heroes who are virtuous, right? Mm-hmm. Let's give them heroes who are virtuous. And then as they get older, let's teach them to think for themselves and let's give them, you know, these models and then say, hey, you know, we're not telling you this is how you have to be, right? We're not trying to manipulate and control you. And, you know, there's a way that you can do that where you're just trying to indoctrinate purely, right? You're just trying to be like, don't give them any other conception of who they could be. And which is, is difficult to pull off in, in, in a pluralistic society unless you start to get really totalitarian, right? Like you, typically if you try to force indoctrinate, even as a parent, you know, this is where we see the, the huge pushback that you get from, from kids who go to college and, you know, are just like, well, forget that. Wheel of morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn. Moral number two. If at first you don't succeed, blame it on your parents. Um, so I think that there is a way that we could improve the public model, starting with kind of shifting our focus away from like, oh, we just want to create good producers and, and good consumers. And, and to be aware of the fact that, you know, it's just time, right? If you send your kids right. to the public school, they're there for six to seven to maybe eight hours a day. And then they come home and they do homework for another however many hours. And yeah. you are getting like quality time with them. I mean, if you're really, really working hard to be a good parent, um, you're getting, you know, a 10th, I don't know, sometimes a a lot less. So the time that we spend is it's going to, it's going to play out in not every student, but the percentages, I always kind of think in terms of percentages, the percentages are going to play out to to reflect that time. So, so what would be, so, so this is really interesting. So a couple of things you've said that are kind of critiques of the public school model is the goal is wrong. They're making the goal too narrow. Is that all the resources in public school are going to, how do we make them good producers and good consumers. And so all the resources are going there and no resources are going towards, are they becoming more well-rounded human beings in ways that yeah. we can keep consensus about? Because we do have, see this now, again, the, the percentages of, of your generations that are experiencing burnout, which is exhaustion based on feeling like your work is meaningless, are continuing to rise. So like, that's a way of avoiding that problem where it's like, no, you can actually ask questions about your life being meaningful. And yeah. then putting resources, at least if I can read you maybe correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, at least exposing them to wrestling with the idea of what yeah. is meaningful in life and what is ethical and making that yeah. a goal to help people, kids wrestle with that as something. So th- would those be the two distinctives about the classical model you would advocate for? Or are there other things about the way it would look that would be different from the public school model? And answer that, so and that, then I want to I want to take the conversation in a in an interesting in a different direction too. But yeah, answer that. 
Yeah, I would say that would be the chief distinctive is, is, and, and, and I can qualify in that a lot of teachers in the public model love their kids and they do stuff like this, right? They, 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 they foster them and they push them. So when I, when I criticize the model, um, I, I, I want to be clear. I had, I had several, te- I went to public school and I had several teachers who really shaped, helped shape my life because they kind of stepped out of the boundaries, I think, of what the curriculum gave. I think the other way that you would see a difference is the way that we expect students to participate in class. Hmm. You know, I don't know what you guys' experience is. When I was in public school, I sat in a desk. I listened yeah. to the teach- teacher lecture for an hour. Um, I took notes. I took a test. I forgot everything that was on that test. <laughs> and I moved on to the next one, right? In the classical model, you know, because we want them to become thinkers and wrestle with these ideas, it is a lot more open-ended questions, right? It's a lot more like, mm-hmm. why? <laughs> why does that work? Why do you think he did this? Lunch? Why? Because it's lunchtime. Why? Because we worked real hard all morning. Why? You got me, kid. Socratic. You know, engage yeah. This idea, Socratic, Socratic seminar. And yeah, that's something we'll do at, at Koinonia sometimes is we'll take a huge step back and we'll say, okay, you guys discuss this idea and I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to mm. listen. I'm going to listen for the quality of the conversation. And, you know, I've seen fourth graders discuss Aristotle, yeah. right? I've seen fourth graders break down Aristotle um and and critique him and criticize him i had i had my fourth graders once read aristotle's essay on why some men are born to be slaves right and they they read this essay and they 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 offered criticisms that that were good that were really good that actually were similar to the c.s lewis's own criticisms of, of aristotle's essay um so when you give students the opportunity to engage um they engage and and I think we underestimate what they're capable of in terms of wrestling with those ideas. This is a this is a perfect place to transition here mm-hmm. a little bit because I love that idea of because um, we talked about kind of the overarching concepts of right. uh, maybe the direction and and model is the word you use for the public school system. But I like this idea of actually engaging the students in their own education rather than yeah. just lecturing at them. And because it, it like you said. You know, I went. I was homeschooled most of my life, where I was engaged in that more Socratic. You're engaged, mm-hmm. asking questions, discussions. I'm still, you know, as I think about my education to this day, the things that teach me most. Of course, I read and I watch, you know, and I listen to lectures, all that. But one of the most um, educating things is knowing people like Joseph, talking to people yeah. like you, is yeah. engaging myself in conversations that teach. So it's engaging yeah. the student in a more um, active way, so they're actually a part of the education rather than just being educated exactly. at. And that goes into my next kind of uh, idea. And, and we've already touched on it. You talked about, you know, that one of the public school systems, you know, uh, born in Prussia, essentially a little bit was indoctrination or at least shaping a yeah. human so it fits within the desired cogs of society. Yeah. So it serves a right. purpose. It's not even a, an individual, you have dreams, you have hopes, you can do this. It's a, we need you to function as a basically a machine within the society. And exactly. And for a lot of people who are listening or have read my books, they know that I grew up with deep um, learning disabilities and mental illness. Mm. So I wasn't someone who was, it wasn't that I didn't want to, because I actually wanted to conform. I wanted to be like my friends. I wanted to be able to read and understand things the way they did, but I couldn't. I couldn't fit into the, yeah. uh, the right. mold of what they needed to be a cog. Now, right. A lot of kids, I feel, in my position, 
um, especially within the public model, because they don't fit that mold. They are told they're dumb, just like I was whenever I went to yeah. public school, I, I would constantly fail tests. I would be told by teachers I was insufficient, I was dumb. And luckily I didn't have a family that supported those ideas, so I was able to combat them. But a lot of kids don't have those support systems until they end up yeah. thinking they're stupid because they didn't fit the current mold. And now one man who I'm sure you're aware of, his name is Howard Gardner, and he came up with, uh, he's, a, he's a professor at Harvard, and, and he came up with an, a theory. Um, I, I, to me, it seems like more than a theory, but it's a theory called the multiple intelligences theory. Yeah. And it basically lays out at least seven different kinds of intelligences and potential for genius that every kid has. But it yep. turns out, as he studied, that public school only accounts for really about three to four of these. And most yeah. of them are the most easily quantifiable ways yep. of learning. And um, all and all those kids who might excel at the other four, wait, did I do my math right? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. no good at math. <laughs> <laughs> There's not the intelligence to excel. Yes, exactly. Or me. So, yeah. <laughs> but the kids who excel at the other four are going to spend their entire lives believing that they're insufficient, stupid, dumb. That they're dumb. Because, yeah. And so it's interesting to me to think about: is there a model that can that that can one still? Uh, how do I say this? Uh, uh, um, facilitate all of these different kinds of learning um, areas. It, I, know, I know classes are big, I know teachers are on short supply, but is there a model that can somehow um, do this better, that we can facilitate all sorts of different individual minds so that, like you said earlier, um, they can move towards becoming the best person they can be individually, yeah. rather than just fitting a mold or cog machine. Does that make sense? And it's not really a question, it's but it's a lot there, so yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. And I think I think it is. I think the classical model does do it better. It doesn't do it perfectly. Uh, you know, you're still going to have and then, you know, the reality of any model also has to get filtered through individual teachers. Right. And so, you yeah. know, but I think what the model does, what, what the classical model does is, like you say, it encourages the students or it, it focuses on the students as individuals. Right. It focuses on the students as individuals and not just in the sense of you have individual needs. But in the sense of uh, going back to the goal, my goal is for you to find individual fulfillment and happiness as a human being in your life. Right. And so we don't you know, if you can do that, then I don't I don't care if you're a, a lawyer or a doctor or a janitor. Right. Like mm -hmm. if you can do that and if you can kind of um, grow as a human being, then I consider that a success. So that gives so much more opportunity to meet someone, students, and I have I have many of them who learn very differently, right? I just had a meeting today about a student who is struggling to sit in the classroom and, and, and engage. And so we're talking about, you know, um, his learning gates and like, what kind of learner is he? Is he an auditory learner? Is he a visual learner? Does he need more hands-on activity? How can we get him to succeed in the class as an individual? Because succeeding in the class is not you know, doing well on the test, it's engaging, it's growing, it's it's learning how to struggle, right? I think another big thing that you see a lot of in every school, but you see a lot of it in public school is fixed mindset. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, the idea of like, well, if it's hard, I'm stupid. And if it's hard, if, if, if something being hard means you're stupid, that means you're going to avoid anything that could possibly be hard because you don't even want to reinforce to yourself that you might be stupid, right? Yes. And that's what I you see students exactly. who just yeah. They just stop trying, right? They, 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 the students who can't read avoid books, right? And they yeah. avoid situations where they might have to read. Um, and then that compounds, like that's how reading, you know, that's how you can get a seventh or eighth grade 
student who's at a second or first grade reading level, it's not, if they were just reading even first grade books, they'd be getting better, right? They would be increasing because, you know, it's just like walking and talking. The more you do it, the better you get at it, right? But they're avoiding it because they, in their minds, they think that they're dumb if they can't do it. So we try to encourage them, you know, the, the geniuses of the world, for the most part, are the people who just work their butts off, right? They're the people yeah. who, when they hit struggle, they're like, okay, what's another way that I can I can tackle this problem? Or can I just go right through it, right? Like, what is a way that I can get through this problem? And I think the classical model facilitates that more than the public model. Um, and again, I mean, that also goes back to a lot of times in the public model that there's the test, right? That The test, which hangs over everyone. In fact, even... Even in the classical charter school, the test, the standardized test is tied to the money. So there's just like, we have to get it done. So this but. is something that I, that I, that I would like to, to address um, before we wrap up. And again, I, you know, I have an interesting relationship with, with education as well, because, you know, I was in preschool and then my mom took me out and started homeschooling my, me and my sister until we were in, you know, to, through, all through high school, because mm-hmm. she saw the ways in which the bureaucracy was actually tr- making me more rebellious because I yeah. saw bureaucracy was so unjust that she was like, oh my gosh, he's going to grow You're up. You're not wrong. Authority. You know, he's, yeah. Yeah. And he's going to grow yeah. up authority. I don't want that for my son. And so she took me out. Um, but I do, one of the Why? things that, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for the person I am today because she did that. I'm very grateful for that. My, um, the, the thing that you, you just touched on is uh, one of the things you talked about that's really good, I think, is it gives people more flexibility for more criteria for success. It's like, look, yeah. you, it's like you're okay. We want people to go to math and science and stuff like that, but we also want them to be good human beings in general. So if they are doing really well, actually becoming a thinking human being, and maybe they're slightly less good into our math and science, overall, that's better, you know, for this, you know, in this sense. But the difficulty is a lot of those intangibles we're talking about are less easy to quantify. And you know, and one of the reasons that schools, you know, are valuable to people, and one of the reasons it does create better life expectancies in, in many cases, and, and is because employers can use it to quantify, you know, mm-hmm. their, their success. You know, people who are funding the schools can quantify the ex- success of school. It's the reason we use the GDP model for the flourishing of society, sure. even though everybody agrees that that doesn't include all of human happiness or perhaps even the majority of human happiness. It's one of the easiest way to quantify flourishing of society. So I'm wondering, it's like, you know, how do you strike that balance with having a school that is able to quantify itself to the rest of society, as well as um, knowing that the intangibles are also important? Well, and and I'm going to add to this real quickly, and and we're going to give you the last word here. Um, But one, I want to wrap up what just I, w- I want to say the thing that I think we've been um, saying, but not mm-hmm. uh, explicitly, You're which is that. I think we well, are too. <laughs> no, you. you know you are. I think ultimately, I think, Brooke, what you're saying, Joseph, what you're saying, and what I'm saying, even if we have difference in nuances, of, you know, homeschool, private school, uh, classical model. I think ultimately what we're talking about is a better vision for where mm. a kid is going, not just a cog, yeah. but we want them to be a full, like you said, fulfilled human being. And that needs to be added into the equation of education. Mm. So I like this idea that we're getting to here at the end of the episode that we need a better vision for yeah. what really education is trying to achieve. Um, and then yeah. number two, I want you to answer Joseph's question, but also before we wrap up, 
we've been saying it a lot, but a lot of people might not have an, um, a knowledge of what it is. Can you just very quickly, one paragraph, two paragraph, what is the classical model? Yeah. In, in, yeah. in, in um, relation to the public model. Yeah. Essentially, the classical model um, is a model of education that puts the, um, the focus uh, of education on creating um, thinking, uh, thinking and learning humans, right? So um, it's, 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 I mean, we call it the classical model because it's based in the classics that we read and, you know, this, this classical development and Aristotle and these ideas, the, the Western tradition. But really the focus is we want to graduate students who can think and learn for themselves. And that's, that's the primary thing. And this kind of segues into my answer to Joe's question, right? Um, if you do that, I have found one, in, in all those those things that we measure, the, the GDP, your students tend to do really well at that anyway, mm. right? So when you really focus on making students, I mean, it engage in their learning, which makes them like learning, which makes them curious, which makes them dig, they tend to be really good at those, um, those tangibles anyway, right? Like, I mean, I, I think 100% of our graduating seniors last year went to the college of their choice, right? We wow. send students, we send students to, um, I think we, we had a student, I, I haven't confirmed yet, but he, I, he's applying to MIT. We have students who go to all sorts of different colleges. They do well, right? They do well for themselves in, in those very tangible metrics. But it's interesting to me when we talk about employers, if you really start to listen to what employers are looking for now, you know, you'll hear them say things like, I want someone who shows up on time. I want someone who I can rely on. I want someone who I can trust, right? Um, and those, and they're like, and I, and I can't find it. I want someone who can, who can speak their ideas in a clear way that's not condescending or rude or, or, or nasty, right? I want someone who I can criticize who's not immediately going to crumble. Um, and I think that's like, it's, it's, a, it's a, uh, an indication that, we aren't a lot, you know, some students are, but a large percentage of students graduating in the public model, they can't do those things mm. because they've never been asked to think about it or even never even been asked to think about why those things are important, um, right? So when it comes to what employers are asking for, I think employers are now starting to realize that like, man, it's hard to find reliable people. Um, and, I, and I think a part of it is, you know, a lot of these students have never been taught about what it means to be you know, a, a good person out of the context of just like, you know, you, 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 you pass all these standardized tests and you're like, well, I guess I'm ready. And then life's not a standardized test, right? It's not yeah. a multiple choice standardized test. It, it has a lot more to do than that. So I think that that's uh, how I would answer your question, Joe, is one, you know, look at, at Great Hearts. I think that one of the Great Hearts schools is literally the second highest rated school in the country, right? And its only competition is, uh, a school, the, the basis schools, which are like my arch nemesis, <laughs> uh, <laughs> basically uh, the schools that basically do, they focus on making the kids really good at standardized tests. So basically they do the public model better than everyone else. And yeah. so by their standards, they, they do really well. And I can talk all day about how they accomplish that. I think it's really, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll bring you back on for the really moral. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure someone's going to listen to this and they're going to be basis and they're going to be like, now I have to come on and give the <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll I'm welcome sure you will that, welcome that back. You're welcome. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's how I'd answer it.
That's awesome. Thank you very much. I um, think that was a really, I think that like, I, I hope that people listening can, um, we be able to garner and hopefully as you're educating your kids and sending them to school or homeschooling yeah. them, whatever it might be. I hope from this conversation that there was a little bit of, I, I, again, I come back to this, what is education for? Yeah. And I love that you touched what on that. That's really, really, who are we trying, what kind of people are we educating? Yeah, I, I, with I think I this is that. a good direction to asking as we're, as everybody's asking, how do we make our school system better? I think that this yeah. is really the place to start. And I think that you've got a good, uh, a good handle on the questions. So that's, that's really Thank cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's absolutely. great. Oh, thank right, you. Thank now you we're on to everybody or at least some people's favorite segment, <laughs> lessons and curses, where we lessons take curses. A, work yeah. we, a, a, a work of art, a resource, media that uh, engages on the topic that we have for the episode and uh, bless one, recommend it, or curse one and tell you to stay away from it. Uh, those oftentimes can oftentimes be very, very fun and controversial. Um, would you sure. like to go first, Burke, since you, of course, sure. have, a, have I've listened to our episodes before. You know how the model works. Yeah. Um, so I had I had two blessings, if that's OK. So yes. that's totally yeah. fine. Right. And then I struggled with the curse. But I think, I mean, so the two blessings that. I'll have are two books um, that I would mm-hmm. highly recommend to any educator, but really any parent or anyone who works with children. The first is um, The Wise Woman or The Lost Princess. It's literally a book with two names by George MacDonald. Ah. Every child should read that book. C.S. Lewis's um, hero, uh, you know, a literary. C.S. Lewis's hero, right? Um, every child, it's a short book. It, they should either read it or have it read to them um, because it's, it really kind of gets at the heart of like, who do you want to be as a human being? And what does it mean to be, a princess is the way he frames it, uh, but it, it means what it means. What does it mean to be a good human being, right? Mm-hmm. And it and it and it frames it in such a way that a child can really engage it and start to think about, you know, what do who do I want to be? How can I be better? And how can I be redeemed? Or it, it, it engages students in these big ideas in a way that is just magical. So, um, the Wise Woman by George MacDonald, and then the second one is uh, tending. Um, the Heart of Virtue, and I want to make sure I get his name right, uh, by Vegan Groyan. Ending the Heart of Virtue by Vegan Groyan, how classic stories awaken a child's moral imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, and that idea of moral imagination, I think, is a core of, of what I've been talking about. Um, uh, Vegan Groyan is he's brilliant, and that book is a great book for any parent to read or teacher if they want to be like, okay, how can I use stories and these these classical stories these these fairy tales to really help my children and their moral imagination and their moral engagement with the world grow so those would be my two blessings is those two books um i highly recommend them to anyone who's interested in this topic curses um anything john dewey wrote uh, (laughs) (laughs) not that you read it as an educator you should uh in a kind of know thy enemy sense <laughs> but uh but it's it's he he's he's one of those people who's dangerous because his ideas sound really good on paper mm-hmm. but when you put them into practice they lead to the public education model um and so i think it's had some really bad uh results a lot of and that then, went around I, the 20th century yeah and then in general i think like anything coming out of the the education 
sec like secretary of education and i'll and i'm not saying democrats or republicans really <laughs> I, either party the past you know 10 15 years the department of education is really like they, just, they don't know the yeah, they don't know yeah. what they're talking about they don't know what they're doing <laughs> they don't know what they're doing in their own model which is problematic maybe it's good because maybe they'll mess it up so much that people abandon it but whatever but they don't they don't know what it means to educate children right so like i would say anything coming out of there uh, a curse okay. upon them yeah, that's those are good, and that might not be controversial, right? Everyone's just probably like not even that's okay. right, but it, like, but yeah. it sounds edgy, and that's the important. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> target um, the Department of Education. So. Yeah, so I I'm gonna bless I, I, these should be pretty quick. I'm gonna bless two movies very quickly: uh, Stand and Deliver and Coach Carter. Um, those mm -hmm. are good uh, movies about teachers that are really trying to engage their kids and what it looks like when somebody says, "No, I actually care about what you're learning and making sure that you become." good people and well-formed human beings who know why they should learn what they should learn and become better people and you mentioned that you know um you know coaches are actually often the ones doing this now because they're given the space to do it within the yeah you know and we're uh, doing the heavy lifting and so i think that those if you want a picture of like this is what it should look like when a teacher again those are those are great classic movies about that topic um when it comes to curses i'm going to curse two movies that both i think get sort of it wrong in opposite ways regarding um, edu what education should be. Um, one is I'm, I'm going to curse uh, God's Not Dead 4. Uh, which <laughs> oh, is, gosh. There's a four? There <laughs> is a four. I had to review it. It's like, for, it's like <laughs> so Land Before Time. And it's, it, that one is all about uh, the public school system and how evil it is. And even as somebody who's homeschooled and has a lot of critiques about the public school system, oh, it's just like, you're just making critics of the public school system look bad with this, <laughs> you know, yeah. and just, Gosh. it's all, everything bad about God's not dead, but this time directed towards schools. So it's, um, and so that it's, it's, it is, it is creating like, oh, this is an evil demonic thing that has to be fought rather than, oh, there's some very specific criticisms you can use to make schooling better. Um, yeah. So that I'm cursing that. I'm also going to curse Mona Lisa Smile, which is a Julia Roberts right. film that was about, that essentially is about, hey, you know, how do we indoctrinate kids to my personal value system? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and it valorizes that unironically. Um, and I think, and, and it's, it's also just a very mediocrely made film. So it's, it's conventional and formulaic while, and many reviewers point this out, it's such a conventional and formulaic film while it is trying to, saying it's trying to inspire people to think for themselves. It's like, maybe right. as a filmmaker, you should have done that as well. Um, but also, <laughs> even its goal of, hey, let's indoctrinate everyone to think the way I do is um, is highly problematic, I think, as a model yeah. to valorize. You know, no two people are like each other, so don't be a lookalike copying another, unless, of course, you're copying me, because that gives you individuality. So yeah. um, so those would be my my blessings and curses. Uh, Nathan. OK, um, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to follow in your footsteps, and I'm going to do a mix of both. I'm going to do a book and a movie and a TV show. Oh, wow. Um, That's <laughs> so the, the first show I'm gonna bless is a show called Road to Avonlea. Um, I don't know, mm. this is a show that's maybe in the late mid nineties. I grew up on it. It's the turn of the century um, 
show that is kind of an offshoot of the Anne and Green Gables hmm. novels, and they made a show is where Ryan Gosling started. Takes place in um, our northern neighbors' uh, country, hmm. um, but it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful image of. I think they have great image of education, and I think hmm. it it harkens back to a time when public school was actually a. It could a be a positive house. good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a schoolhouse model. And you see, you know, it takes place in between all these different families that live in this small community. And the schoolhouse is where these kids were educated, but the families actually had a huge influence hmm. um, into the education of their kids, meaning uh, they they were being taught, uh, they, everything they were being educated in was not, like you said, divorced from um, how will this make you a more fulfilled person? Yeah. How will this make you a better person, more moral person? Because it was in the context of a familial community. And I just think it's a really, you know, I think I would have loved school had I grown up in a community like that. Unfortunately, yeah. I think one of the things we didn't touch on today is it's harder and harder to have more connected education systems yeah. because we live in such a disconnected world. Um, yeah. We yeah. don't live in the communal world anymore. And so <laughs> it's a really interesting image of something we can probably never capture again of an education system that was um, supported by and supported the family unit too. Yeah. So you had the morals yeah. and the education, the fulfillment, the ethics all going in at one time. It's really just a beautiful show too. It's fun, it's funny, it's family oriented. Yes. It's really well written and acted. Um, so all I, the good things at once. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> all the homeschoolers out there will love this show for whatever reason. Every homeschooler watches show growing up. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm also gonna uh, I'm gonna bless a movie. I haven't seen in a while, so maybe I'm wrong, but I really enjoyed School of Rock because it's a silly- oh, yes. I love School of Rock. A, yeah. I love it because it's a silly and fun image of a teacher um, seeing all of his students in their uh, complexity and individuality and inviting them into a communal place where they don't have to give up that complexity and individuality. They can all learn in their own unique ways and be a part of this quote unquote band in their own unique ways while still learning and moving on a, uh, a similar trajectory right. of education. I think it's really telling that all of these movies and stories we that, that we have of teachers in the present school system who are doing all this and engaging well are all portrayed in the films as having to fight Buck the, the system. system in order to do that. Well, and that's what I want to say real quick. I just want to make sure that yeah. everyone knows that there, we love teachers. Teachers oh, really do uh, raise the next, uh, educate the next generation. They're so important. We just want better systems for you yeah. to teach with them. Yeah. So make it, make it easier exactly. and reward you more for doing that work rather than make it harder. For you. Yes. We, we want to get rid of the standardized tests. We're going to get yes. rid of that. <laughs> We, all, we also yeah, everyone cheer. Yeah, also that. Yes. If we paid teachers more, we'd probably have better education too. Yes. So, oh yeah, that yes. would be nice too, right? So, <laughs> pay Burke more. Exactly. Um, <laughs> if you get one thing out of this podcast, it would be pay Burke more. <laughs> Send me checks, everyone. Give me money. And my book I'm going to bless, as I mentioned it earlier, and I blessed it before, um, but it's called Multiple Intelligences by Howard Gardner. Mm, yeah. It just really opened my eyes to, and it helped me understand myself and how I learned. And I suddenly felt, even as an adult, oh, I'm not stupid. I was created to learn in a different way. So it's just a really beautiful book, but it's done by an academic who studied this. Right. So it stands upon study and um, and thorough, uh, I guess, scientific investigation right. into the human mind when it comes to education. I just love it. Uh, and it really helped me a lot. And I think it'll help a lot of the educators and, and parents of children's out there see their kids in a unique light. Um, and then I'm going to curse. 
I believe the article is called The Risks of Homeschooling. Oh, gosh. Um, by <laughs> Professor uh, Elizabeth uh, Bartholitz. I, I don't even know her name correctly. Yes. If um, you come on our show, we will pronounce your name correctly. Yes, and you can tell us how we're all wrong. Um, no, Burke will be here. Yes. <laughs> but essentially, the article was, it seemed to be against both the classical homeschooling and anything outside of the public school movement that was basically saying parents shouldn't have the right to um, in quote unquote indoctrinate their kids. We, the state should be indoctrinating your kids uh, because the state has decided what is best for yeah. you oh. and the kids. And I think that's a really dangerous thing for both kids and society. Um, and her, her the, the logic she levies against um, home education and just education on a whole uh, in, a, in a classical sense, I think is just really thin and flimsy, but it also seems to come out of a really um, vitriolic place. Yeah. Um, and one that takes, uh, has no respect for anyone else but the state's influence over your child's I, mind. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's definitely reading the article, there's a, you definitely have a who hurt you kind of <laughs> feeling to it yeah definitely like one of the things that she says in there is like oh well you know schools can like you know if, if you're if kids are just at home then they might get sexually abused and it's like okay you do realize that the rates of sexual abuse by teachers is like a hundred times more than even like you know the catholic priest scandal right right yeah so like, that's where some priests i always yeah. shake my i always, I always <laughs> so tell like, people that they're yeah, like what do you do i'm a teacher <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah so that's that is a very good that's a good curse yeah, yeah there's a lot of strumming so that that is my curse but yeah that's it good cool. curse. yeah all right well thank you so much Burke, for um for coming on our show so if people want to either get in touch with you or want to you know uh look into uh the school that you're a part of or something like that, what where can where can they reach you? Where can they find uh, the school? Where what you do? Or do you want them? Yeah. To? Or do you want them? To? <laughs> I, I, I do want them to, especially if they live in the Plainfield, Greater Plainfield around their area. Get your kid in my school. Um, I am the admissions director. I guess yeah. If you <laughs> want to just reach out to me to chat about education, um, you, you can send me an email, and I'm sure you guys could include it in some sort of notes. But biobayashi at gmail.com. If you hear this and you're like, I live within 20 to 30 minutes of Koinonia Academy, and I think my kids should go to this school, then um, uh, you can reach out to admissions at koinoniaacademy.org, which uh, you can put in the, the I'm sure, the, the notes as well. And by the way, if <laughs> yeah. you want You're to, want to argue, put that one in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to argue and debate with Burke about education, join the Overthinkers private group. Uh, he is there, as are we. And uh, you can get in there and give your opinions and tell us and Burke how wrong or right we were. You can also go to the yeah. overthinkersjournal.com. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to nathanclarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, and any of the socials. If you want to get in touch with me, I am on any of the socials as well. And you can also get in touch with me at josephholmstudios.com. Thank you all very much for listening. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm -hmm.